Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad Hello, that friend. you're here. Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. And I'm so happy that you're listening in today and you're joining me. And I have very exciting news. If you have not heard, the Inner Circle and the eight-week parenting program is now open, and it closes this Friday, October 15th, and... I would love for you to join. If you would love more support, if you would like to learn more about how to have a healthy relationship with your tween or your teen, you want to know that you're not alone and be with so many other awesome, amazing, like-minded moms. If you want to connect with me on a weekly basis, I do live coaching calls and the eight-week parenting program is live. You come live and I teach uh, all around how we can build healthier relationships with our kids. You will learn so much about yourself, so much about communication and connection. And I could go on and on. It's just an incredible program that hundreds of moms have gone through and the feedback has been amazing. So I invite you to find out more by going to momsoftweensandteens.com forward slash inner and then dash, which is that hyphen circle to find out more. Or you can also go to our website and you'll see a drop down right there and you can, it'll take you to the page. So I hope you'll sign up. I hope that you will join me. It's the best investment you can possibly make, the cheapest therapy you can ever have. And it's just an amazing program. And I would love to support and get to know you. Now let's jump in. I want to jump into this podcast because you are in for such a treat. I am so excited that I am interviewing Karen Young. You may know her from Hey Sigmund, the website. It's an internationally popular online resource. It attracts millions of readers each year worldwide. And Karen began her career as a psychologist in private practice and has worked extensively with children, teens, and families. And in this podcast episode, we talk about her two latest books and also about the adolescent brain and how to support our kids with big emotions. And what I love is all that she has to share about anxiety and how we can navigate anxiety with our kids, 
in with that within ourselves and also how anxiety can be an, an opportunity to be brave and how we can help our kids to use their anxiety for good to be brave and to make that transition because I think it's it's difficult when our kids are feeling anxious how do you not you know how do you navigate that so she shares so many great pieces of wisdom in this podcast interview. So let's jump in. Welcome, Karen, to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. And I am so thrilled to have you be with us and to have you here. And I just have to tell you, I've been a huge fan of yours for so many years now. And I just love, love, love all that you write on your Hey Sigmund site and all that you have to share and teach. And I was just telling you, I just got your two new books, Hey Warrior and Hey Awesome in the mail today. It was perfect timing and they're just beautiful. I mean, the packaging, the illustrations and how creative it is in the way that you help the kids to understand and manage anxiety. So I can't wait for us to Thank talk. You. Thank you. That means a lot. No, I'm so excited to be here with you um, and getting the information out there. And I think we need this information out there more than ever. So I'm really, um, I'm so grateful to you for inviting me on um, and looking forward to getting into it with you. Yes, it's perfect timing because so yeah. many of our tweens and teens our kids in general, but especially I'm seeing that a lot with um, moms that I work with, with how anxious kids are right mm-hmm. now. So I think that it's it's really going to be t- important to uh, listen to you know all that you have to share with us. But I thought we would just start by why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background, and then how you started, uh, you know, Hey Sigmund, and what you're doing now. Mm. So I started as a psychologist um, in private practice. I was seeing lots of kids and teens and families and and grown-ups, and this was a while ago. Um, And I, the way I got into this is I left for a couple of years to have children, and when I was coming back in, um, I wanted to do something which put the hands in the information, the information into the hands of parents. Because when I was working with a lot of kids and teens, I thought, oh, what parents really need here is the information. So, and, and for sure, some kids will benefit enormously um, from working one to one with a counsellor or a therapist. Absolutely, um, and parents, um, parents uh, need the information as well. So. It's the information that we have in the world of psychology. Um, I wanted to put it out there. And so I um, I started Hey Sigmund with that in mind. Um, and it kind of grew from there and, and anxiety became a bit personal for me. One of my children really struggled with anxiety. And I think, um, and, and when it becomes personal like that, there's a fire inside you. And, and, I, and, I, and I just needed to... Um, to dig deeper into this. And the other thing was that the way I started into anxiety and the reason it became so big for me um, and continues to be is because when you are a psychologist and you have a child, you can do lots of things with other people's kids, but your kids can smell it a mile away when it starts. And they're like, don't, can you just not do this? I know what you're doing. I don't, don't do this. Don't psychologize me. 
So I was a bit stuck with what to do. And it made me realise um, how difficult it is in, in this sphere uh, for parents. I knew the information, but putting it in the hands of my children and supporting them was hard. And um, I had a conversation with her. So she'd been struggling with big anxiety for a little while. And then um, I thought I've got to do something different here, which doesn't sound like therapy. And we're in the car and I had a conversation with her about it. And it was the conversation in Hey Warrior. That's where the book came from. Well, this is what's happening and this is what it is. And do you feel like this? And do you feel like this? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how I feel. And I said, oh, that's called anxiety. And we can we can manage that. I can tell you what to do with that. And so we did. And a couple of weeks later, she came to me and she said, mum, you know, that conversation, it really helped. And I said, well, that's, and, and, I, and I think when kids are telling you that something you've done might have worked, it probably did. Um, they're pretty honest and open like that. So I that's and that's where I started. So I I wrote the article for my website um, and that went boom. And every time I wrote something about anxiety, it just went. Um, and then I wrote the book. And what it speaks to me is is how much power, there's a couple of things, how much power parents have to strengthen their children through anxiety themselves and how much parents need it because I struggled in it. Um, and she's now one of the bravest women I know. Of course, anxiety still lands sometimes, as it will with all of us and all of our children. But what I know as a parent and as a professional is we can absolutely get them there and strengthen them so that it doesn't um, intrude in their everyday. Wow. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your personal story. And I've had two children that have struggled with, struggled with anxiety and I have struggled with anxiety and struggled with anxiety after having trauma as a kid, but didn't really know what it was. I mean, I didn't know I was having panic attacks and uh, I thought, what is happening? And I, they went away. I could, I could kind of think them away. But of course, my mom didn't know what was happening with me. I didn't know what was happening. But then fast forward, and then I have an anxious kid. And I didn't know what to do either. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it brought back all of my anxiety. And so then I was responding. And I've learned so much. Now she's 31. But when she got anxious, then I got anxious because then it brought back all that anxiety I had as a yeah. kid. And it was triggering that in me. Do you see that a lot? Absolutely. And what we have to remember is anxiety is, is one of the most human of the human emotions. So all kids, all humans are going to get anxious at some time, before an interview, before a big day at school, before a presentation, before an exam, before we meet new people, because anxiety um, also happens just when there's an, an, an opportunity to be brave. So it's not just about threat, but it will feel the same as threat. So when there's a challenge or something important and meaningful, anxiety in response to that which is, what if I get humiliated? What if I get judged? What if I fail? What if I mess it up? That's all registers as, that all registers as threat in the brain in exactly the same way as a physical threat. Um, 
if we are confronted with a pack of wild dogs chasing us or a car swerving towards us, it all lands the same way because the brain can't tell the difference. So it just it just gears us up to respond anyway. So one of the things that we have to, and, and as parents, we're actually wired to catch their anxiety. That's how we keep them safe. We are meant to feel distress in response to their distress. Children create their distress in us as a way to, to recruit support we go into fight or flight to protect them. So if we didn't have anxiety in response to um, anxiety in our children, we wouldn't be there to swoop them out of the way of, of actual danger. So it's got a really important job to do. So we are meant to um, feel anxiety in response to our children's anxiety. Now, the difference is when that anxiety happens and it is not a real threat. Now, our children won't always be able to tell the difference, but that's where we um, have to stop and, and, and go, well, are they safe? Yeah, they're safe. Is this something important and meaningful or is this a threat? This is something important and meaningful and they're safe. And then we calm our own anxiety so that we can start to co-regulate with them and soothe their distress. But too often um, what happens is our anxiety, um, it feels like a threat because when our children are in distress, that is a threat. That will be read by the brain as a threat. So what we need is our thinking brain to come in and go, mm, it's okay, we can, we can manage through this. And we have to calm our distress enough Mm -hmm. and our anxiety enough to be able to um, encourage them forward little bit by little bit by little bit. Because what tends to happen is in response to our own anxiety about their anxiety, which is very normal and very healthy, we have to remember anxiety is a very healthy response except when there's no threat. Same for our, our anxiety. Um, what we can do then is, is, um, is support their avoidance of those important, meaningful things. We don't want to do that because that's when um, the brain learns that challenge or things that are hard um, actually aren't safe and that's when their anxiety gets bigger. So we need to, we will be distressed by their anxiety, absolutely, 100%, but what we need to recognise is we can feel anxious and strengthen them forward because they are actually they are, they are actually um, safe. So we can gently, gently, gently edge them towards those things that are driving their anxiety. Yeah. I love that. See, moms, everybody listening, we're normal. Because you know? so one normal. of the things with anxiety is if you're feeling anxious and I say, stop it, stop feeling anxious, stop feeling anxious. Oh my goodness, I'm anxious, I'm anxious. And then you get more anxious, which is not helpful. But in the book, Hey, warrior, I loved it. Like I was reading it and it's like you have the amygdala as a character and you talk about how it's meant to keep us safe and then also how it doesn't check anything out. You say yes. the amygdala doesn't check anything out. It's a doer, not a thinker. That's and I right. thought that made so much sense to me. So yeah, help us because I think it's particularly tricky when you have an adolescent mm. that is anxious. And like you said, and, you know, maybe they don't want to go to school. And so the parents trying to force them to go to school and adolescents can be, they can be resistors at that yes. age, you know, you're trying to push and mm. control and that doesn't work. So what can, you know, a mom that's listening do instead? What, how do we help our kids to be brave? 
So school, if kids aren't going to school, that's a big one. Depending on how long, if if kids haven't been in school for a while, that's going to be harder because by now the brain will have associated school with threat. You can't just pick up a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old, put them in the car and take them to school or put them on the bus and take them to school. So what we have to look at, um, and and again, um, you know, this is a, a, a... 25 words or less response to a thing which is actually um, goes much deeper um, than this. Um, What we, and and is much more extensive than this, but basically what we want to look at with anxiety, wherever there's an avoidance of something, what we need to look at is, is what can we do to move kids through that avoidance? Because when we work on trying to push kids through avoidance, what can happen is it can make anxiety bigger because the amygdala goes, no, 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 I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let this happen. So what we want to do is take gentle, gentle steps towards that important, meaningful thing. So say if kids are worried about um, trying out for um, or, or going for a swimming lesson, right? You, you, you need them to learn to swim. They don't want to go for a swimming lesson. Um, so what we, what that would look like is, well, that's okay. I, and we have to validate. I understand that this is huge because, because it's a, it's a big deal for you. It's a big deal to try out for the soccer team. Um, so what can you do? Well, how much can you do? And we put it back to them because they'll be focused on what they can't do. The other thing we want to do is, um, is, is rather than focusing on changing their behavior, what can we do differently? So can we say, look, um, we, um, it, it might be, well, this is swimming lesson time. Um, so after school, we're going to drive to the swimming lesson place. You don't have to get out of the car, but this is what we're going to do. Um, so, so it's about changing what, what we can do to stop, um, to, 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 um, to start gently, gently, gently exposing them to that thing that's scary because the brain only learns from experience. So we can talk about it all day about how safe the swimming lesson is, but until the brain has an experience of that environment as safe. So we expose them in little bits. So it might be, what if we just sit by the side of the pool for five minutes and then we can go home? Mm-hmm. Or And then you might do that for a few weeks and then we might say, um, okay, well, we'll just sit there for the whole lesson and then you can go home. Or you might do 10 minutes and then you might say, what if you just sit on the stair? for for five minutes and then we can go home um for school if children are refusing a full day at school and if they haven't been at school for a while the very first thing we need to do and this is really important is make sure there's a relationship at school um, that they have with an adult which is safe and warm and loving because first of all we have to make sure the environment feels safe for them so for a child to go into an environment um, where they don't feel welcomed or loved, that's going to register as threat. So our first thing is how can we create a relationship with at least one adult in that school where that adult is able to send an email saying, hey, I can't wait to see you. Why don't you come and just have 10 minutes with me in the morning? So it might start with 10 minutes Um at school with that teacher and then they go and then they might do one lesson and then they go and they might do a lesson in the library and then they go. So this is something um, that's best worked through with a school counsellor um, and an outside support. But basically the guts of it is how can we gently expose and we don't want to throw them in the deep end 
because that's massive threat and we're just going to drive bigger anxiety. So how can we really gently expose this child to this experience, which is actually important and meaningful? Now, of course, if there's bullying at school or if school is genuinely unsafe, then anxiety is doing its job. It is an unsafe environment. So if that's the case, how do we make this environment safe? Does it need to be a different school? Does Is there an issue at school which needs to be dealt with to make this environment safe? So it's not always about um, steering the child. Sometimes it's about what do we need to do in this environment to make it more supportive? Um, we add in relationships with the adults. We take away any um, anything threatening that's happening and that's the responsibility of the adults Um, and what I know about teachers is there are some extraordinary teachers out there who are so um, oh they change lives when they connect with these kids and make it safe so that's what it's about and then we gently expose them so we'll do 10 minutes then we'll do a lesson then we'll do you know it's you you gently expose them um, like that because basically what we're doing is saying to the amygdala we need you to relearn that this is safe enough yeah um yeah Yeah. we adapt that with any experience of anxiety wow that's so good and it also makes me think about what you said to your daughter in the car that you were a safe place too that, Mm. that she was able to talk to you about it and you were able to validate her. So the the word safety is so big when it comes to anxiety is what I'm hearing you say, like creating safety for them, whether it's at school and also creating safety with us. And so mm-hmm. how, um, how can we create more safety in our homes for our kids when they're growing so- anxious? Yeah, that's a really great question. So one of the things we want to do is actually model because because anxiety isn't bad. Anxiety is going to happen. So mm-hmm. the where anxiety gets in the way is the behaviour that it drives. So it drives avoidance. It drives fight behaviour. It drives flight behaviour. None of those are bad behaviour. So it is never about manipulative behaviour or bad behaviour. So we don't want to punish this because it's actually from a distressed nervous system. It's physiology. It's not bad behavior um so the first thing uh we need to do is um is understand it but what we need to model is that we can be anxious and do brave so even if we feel like we can't we can because it's not about getting rid of anxiety it's about feeling anxious and doing brave so you can feel anxious and get the job done you can, if you're waiting for anxiety to go away, it's not going to go, it's not going to happen because anxiety, the only way it's going to go is by having enough experiences of that thing as being safe. So one of the things we want to do is we don't want to make out to our kids that we've always got it together, that everything is easy <laughs> because first of all, that's not true. And second of all, what we're, the message we're sending is, so you should have it all together too and everything should be okay for you. At the same time, we don't want to model that anxiety, oh, my gosh, I can't handle it, this is too big, and we don't want to model that either. We want that middle ground which is, oh, I feel really anxious about this meeting I have to go to or, oh, I'm going out tonight and I know there's going to be new people there and I always get so anxious. I can feel my belly going and I can feel myself getting sweaty hands and I know I'll be okay. 
I know after five minutes I'm going to be okay and I'll actually have a really good time. But whoa, holy moly, right now it feels big. So what we want to model is that we get these feelings as well and we can still do it. So we model it with strength. Um, we validate the message we want to give to our kids is I can handle everything you give to me. I can handle every feeling, every word, everything you say I can handle it. And I'm not going to get, I'm, I'm going to catch your distress with strong loving hands and I'm going to hold it till you start to feel better and, and then we'll, we'll move through. Because what they don't want is for us to say, um, oh, there's nothing to worry about. You've got nothing to worry about because that, that they're not buying it. They're not believing it. And actually what the amygdala can make anxiety worse when we do that because the amygdala is there going, well, this is a problem because the whole point of anxiety, one of them is to recruit support. And the amygdala says, well, this, this adult we've recruited for support doesn't get it. So we're kind of on our own here. That's why validation is so important because what we're saying to the amygdala is, oh, I see what you're worried about. I get it. I understand it. And I know that we can do this. I know you can do this. So what we're saying is we see why you would worry about this. Oh, everything's clear. And I know you can do it or and I know we can do it together. Um, otherwise, what the amygdala says is the only reason you're saying there's nothing to worry about is because you don't see the danger. You don't get it. So the very first part of this is validation and saying, I can see what validation does is it lets them know we're looking out the same window. Oh, I can see the storm coming. Oh, and that's what you're worried about. Yeah, that's a huge storm, isn't it? Oh, and I know we are so safe here. I'm with you. So it's that um, that the problem with saying there's nothing to worry about is that's actually a rational response. And during anxiety, the rational brain is offline. Um, so they, uh, and you know this, we know this, if, if we're really upset and someone says, well, just don't worry about it, it doesn't land. We go, well, who are you? You're not really with me on this. You're just, you're, you're saying this because this is what people do to make themselves feel better. It doesn't make me feel better. Um, even though it comes with the most loving intent. Yes. The other thing I want to say to parents is we don't need to fix their big feelings. We actually don't need to, when they're in big distress, what we actually need to do is just be with. So it's about calming our own anxiety because that'll drive our distress, validating and saying, yeah, this is big. I get it. I know. I know. Mm -hmm. And how can we break this into little pieces? Or, all right, what can you do then? Um, but we can't do that while they're in big feelings and they have to, we have to wait till calm comes and then we have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. More just sitting, sitting with them. How powerful that is. I mean, I think about that when I'm in distress and I call a friend that I know gets me and understands. And just by talking about my big feelings in that moment and having somebody say, oh gosh, you know, I, I totally get it. That makes sense. I hang up and I feel so much better. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's who I want to be calling and talking to, not the the friend, well-meaning friend that might say, well, this is what you need to do. And, you know, then I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not in a place to start doing that yet. But then I feel like once I've talked about it, then I'm like, oh, okay, now I can do it. You of know, course. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you're not alone. So someone's with you. Um, but there's actually someone with you in strength, not in, in distress. So they'll catch our anxiety or they'll catch our calm. 
That's the truth of it. We will catch their anxiety. We need to feed calm back into the loop. And that's not, I want to say that's not easy and we won't be able to do it every time. And sometimes we will lose our minds, literally lose access to our thinking minds. That is okay. That is not bad parenting. That is being just beautifully human. It's going to happen to all of us. Um, And that's not going to break them at all. If we come back and, and repair the rupture as soon as, as we can but they're no different to us when when we're anxious about something we don't want to be fixed we want to be heard and and seen and the last thing we want is to feel like our anxiety is misplaced or or not right or there's something wrong with us so yeah your anxiety I get that you're anxious of course you can be anxious this is big um but your anxiety is not a measure of your capacity to do this it feels like it is Mm -hmm. but it is not a measure of your capacity to do this it's an invitation to 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 be brave to be to move forward um and it's up to you what you do with that but you don't need to take the whole run at once we can do gentle tiny 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 steps so it doesn't matter how long it takes for them to do um new hard things we just we just want to you know help them support them gently through yeah Well, and you also talk about, I think this is good for parents to hear what's actually going on in the adolescent brain when they're anxious. It doesn't always look like anxiety. No, I I remember that with my daughter, I get so frustrated with her and get into these power struggles and arguments. And we talk about this now. She was anxious, but I saw it as like she was being defiant, disrespectful, but that was her anxiety speaking. Can you can you say more about what that anxiety might show up as? Yeah. So this is for all kids. Actually, this is for all of us. There are two ways anxiety will show up. It'll show up in big behavior. So we have to remember anxiety is fight or flight. It's also freeze, which is withdrawal and stillness and shrunkenness, which you might see. Um, but and it's that's more a helplessness. Um but it can show up as fight behaviour. Remember, anxiety is fight or flight. So it can show up as fight behaviour, which is tantrums, aggression, defiance, frustration, yelling, shouting, big behaviour. Because one of the ways um, we have to remember the whole point of anxiety is to get our body safe through movement, through moving, through fighting the danger or running from the danger. So it is surging us with a powerful neurochemical cocktail, which is getting our body into a state ready to fight or flee. So it's not a deliberate choice. It is not willful intent. So sometimes that fight can look like anger, aggression, all of that things, all of those things. Now, the other thing it can look like is flight behaviour, which is where kids, um, they will ignore us, they might um, turn away, they might lock themselves in their room, they might go into their phones, um, start gaming. Addictive behaviour is a form of flight. Perfectionism is a form of flight. Um, I don't want to make a mistake, so I'm going to keep doing this, doing this, doing this to flee the possibility of making a mistake. Um, So um, it can look like they are, it can look like, um, it can look like bad behaviour and sometimes it can be for sure terrible behaviour, but it is not willful intent. It is not misbehaviour, it's stress behaviour. It is behaviour that is being driven by a nervous system in distress. And we look at that and we go, okay, so what does that nervous system need? It needs to feel safe. 
Um, and how do we do that is through us, through our relationship first. But then we have to, once that body comes back to feeling safe and calm, then we have to um, have the conversation, which is, um, okay, uh, how can you take a tiny little step forward because, you know, this has to happen. So so how can we do it in a way that works better for you or that feels less scary because I know you're anxious and I know you can do it. So what is this going to look like? Um, we can have that conversation with them. Gosh, I think that's, yeah, so powerful because we're pressuring them, get your homework done, get your homework done. And they're having all this anxiety and then they're in fight mode, which is what would happen with my daughter. She was, has ADHD. And um, so of course she felt anxious, but then, you know, then we're punishing them or, you know, threatening, which only heightens that. So I think Mm -hmm. it's really powerful to understand that. And I'm so grateful for all the studies now on the brain, things that I certainly didn't know when she was, when she was in her tween teen years. And, um, you know, we know so much more now. We do. We do know a lot more now. (laughs) And, and, you know, it doesn't always make it easier. Um, One of the things I want to say is I think we, we come from a world where, and it was all based on behaviorism where, in order to make kids do better, we have to punish and and cons- and and reward or put in place consequences. Um, but what we know is is it just doesn't work that way because it's it's not willful intent. So it's not like they're choosing to do this. Now at the same time, this doesn't mean kids. You know, that we still need to um, influence their values and and instill our values and influence them towards better choices. But that's going to take time, and we need to respect that. And the best way for that to happen is in a way where they're open to our influence in warm, loving conversations. Punishment doesn't do anything. All it does mm-hmm. is sever the connection, which severs our influence. So they don't need to feel bad to do better. They're going to feel bad anyway. Kids know when they've done the wrong thing. They they feel bad anyway. So the best thing we can do is say, you know, what happened? Talk to me. The consequence is talking to you and, and, and exploring it and being curious about it. That's where they're going to learn. They're not going to learn um, necessarily by being punished in ways that don't make sense. It's the same for us. We we, and we have to remember that the part of their brain that can make good decisions or, or uh, deliberate decisions, I should say, um, and think through consequences, it won't be fully developed until their mid to late 30s. So um, they've got a long time. And even us with our fully developed thinking brain, we get things wrong sometimes. You know, we say and do things that ordinarily we wouldn't do. Um, and and we don't necessarily, we, you know, we don't need to be... Uh, uh, are punished for it we we need to and and for sure in our society you know there are punishments that's different um I'm talking about kids and teens here um but the conversation that might take place is okay well things are a bit of a mess right now how do you think she felt when you said that how do you think he felt when you did that I know you're a really great kid and I know you're kind and I know you must have felt horrible to feel like that was to, to feel like that was the only option in that place. How can you put this right? Do you need my help to put this right? And let them come up with the consequences because if they're going to come up with it, it's going to make sense. They're going to learn more 
from this conversation with you than they will from missing out on dessert or missing out on pocket money for a week. Unless, you know, that would make sense if they've broken something and we say, well, that's okay, you've got to pay for that now. Um, So how about you do some jobs and earn the money? And it's not done in a shaming way. It's done in a, we still, we have to put it right because I know, I, you know, and I know that you, that's what you would want to do. You're a really great kid, um, but uh, but we need to put it right, um, which is very different to just punishing or sep- or time out or any separation-based discipline. Yeah, and it speaks that I care about you. I want to understand how, you know, what's going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> how I can support you. It's just so much more loving and relational. Than just, and they're going to learn so much more rather than just punishing. And I think especially with, um, with teenagers, it just creates this wedge and, um, and the relationship suffers when we do that. Um, mm. Yeah. So I just love how you talk about loving big, you know, that yeah. we strength, love them big and, and know that they're going to be okay you know, and we're going to be okay and how we're human and we're going to mess up. And I do want to say to moms, you know, sharing my own story, it's never too late, you know, to repair and to learn how to learn these things. And when our kids see how we're growing and we're changing and we're in this process with them, that's encouraging too. You know, like, like you said, we don't have it all together either. None of us do. And uh, we come into this parenting thing and really the only experience we have of being parents is the way we were parented. And a long time ago, we didn't have the information we had now. And some of us were parented in ways um, which which gave us certain uh, instincts around parenting and, and some of us weren't. None of that is about bad parenting either because, you know, we do the best with what we've got. Um, but it's about um, it's it's about being curious and, and how can I do better and how can I be better. I've never met a teen that doesn't want to be close to their parent. Kids need to be, they want that attachment and they want that connection, but they don't want that control or that judgment. So we will always be able to do more in the context of a loving, safe relationship and connection with them than we will when they feel disconnected from us because we can't guide them when they're not open to us. We can't um, we can't give them the support they need, um, which is really what discipline is all about. It's about the experiences they need to do better. Um, and those experiences you know that's what we that's what we have to say what experiences do they need what support do they need um to be able to do better next time and that better is going to happen gradually as it does as it did with all of us none of us are born knowing what to do um so we just need to shift to a compassionate lens and I can't stress enough that we won't be able to do this all the time and that's okay because we are human too and we will have days where um you know, the the task in front of us is bigger than us and that's okay, that's all right. But that that's also an opportunity for us to model humility um, to our children and, and come back and say, you know, I'm really sorry, it must have been awful when I said that and when I did that, um, I'm, I'm going to try and do better. Let's try and do better together, hey. Um, 
and that openness, what that does is we're saying to them, you know, when you do something um, that isn't necessarily adorable, you can come to me because I'm really safe because I get it because I've been there too sometimes. Because I mess up too. Mm, Yeah. 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 I love that. Having that humility. Mm. We're so hard on ourselves, aren't we? As, as moms and, and then we can be a hard on our kids. And I just love that compassionate lens, Mm. you know, for our kids, for ourselves, it really does change the, the energy of things. Mm. If we can have that compassion. Yeah. And we have to remember, you know, parenting, oh, it's, it's the, I think we're aware of, of, of the bigness of it um, and the importance of it. And we, of course, will have anxiety around parenting and we will go into fight or flight around parenting. We have to not fight ourselves. And I think that's what we do too much. We judge mm-hmm. and shame and, and, and whip ourselves because we should have done better. Um, we go into fight and we need to not do that because we also need to be radically kind to ourselves because this is hard. And even when we get it wrong, it's an opportunity um, to do better and to make the connection bigger. I never thought about that, that we can actually, that we go into that fight, flight, and we fight ourselves. I never thought of it like that. That Mm. makes so much sense. Then we Mm. turn on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gosh, Karen, thank you so much. Do you have any like final words for the parents that are listening? I just want to say this is hard and parenting is hard and you know, we come at this with the best intentions and um, we won't be able to get it right uh, all the time and and that's okay. But if we can make this more about relationship, whether we're talking about anxiety, whether we're talking about behaviour, at the end of the day it all comes back to relationship and that connection um, with our children and it's impossible to to love them too much and to and to you know to have that openness as they get into adolescence of course it'll be more on their terms they won't always want to be near us and that's okay but what's important is having it there when they're ready um but it's more about who we are to them than anything we do and we want to be that strong safe loving presence um you know that lights the way when they need it yeah yeah. Oh, that just feels so good. <laughs> like a big weighted blanket. <laughs> so, you're so calming. Now I'm going to go read, read your books again when we go. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, tell our listeners where to find your books. I will certainly put the links um, in the show notes and also uh, tell them about where to find you, your website, Hey Sigmund. Yeah, so heysigmund.com, H-E-Y is in Hey You. Hey Sigmund is my website. So there's lots of articles there about the adolescent brain, anxiety, parenting generally, um, and videos uh, for you and to watch with your kids. The books are available there. So I've got Hey Warrior, Hey Awesome and Lions um, are all um, available there. I'm on Facebook, Karen Young, Hey Sigmund, um, and I'm on Instagram, um, Karen Young, Hey Sigmund, as well. Just on Facebook, there's two. Um, there's two. One of my accounts got hacked, so go for the one that's Karen Young, Hey Sigmund, not Hey Sigmund, Karen Young. Um, you'll know because it'll have more recent posts. 
but that's how oh, fun. Yeah. But I want to say thank you to you for what you do and for making this information so accessible um, for all of us. And we're all learning. We're all, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, uh, doing what we can. So thank you um, for having me and for inviting me and and for opening the way. Yeah, thank you so much, Karen. Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. And make sure to check out the Inner Circle and the eight-week parenting program. You can go to momsoftweensandteens.com forward slash inner hyphen circle and find out more or email me at Cheryl at momsoftweensandteens.com and say, hey, I want to know more about the inner circle, but run, don't walk because it closes this Friday, the 15th, and then our eight-week parenting program, which is live, kicks off next week, and I would love for you to be a part of it. So enjoy your week, and I will see you back here next time.